Welcome to the Legendarium. Today, Ryan and I are reviewing Jurassic World, which just came out last night. Uh, but that review is going to be coming up at about the 9.30 or 10 minute mark. So if you want to skip ahead, go ahead. Uh, if not, you will hear us wax nostalgic and wax grateful about the podcast in general. Uh, so hang in there. Hello, children. Hey, Ryan. Why did we start out as a creepy van owner guy? Why? <laughs> <laughs> that was my chef. That was my Isaac Hayes. Oh, got it, got it, got it. I see. It wasn't a very good one, but that's what it was. Well, I'm not overly familiar with Isaac Hayes, so uh, I, I wouldn't have gotten the reference anyway. Apparently, you didn't damage yourself with South Park growing up. I I continue to damage myself. Oh, it's a wonderful show. Uh, anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about South Park. Uh, welcome to the Legendarium's abbreviated episode this week. Uh, we are going, Ryan and I are going to review Jurassic World, which came out last night, uh, which we saw last night, uh, and are very excited about. But before we do that, I did want to take just a, a few minutes and do something we like to do every once once in a while, uh, which is a big thank you and shout out to our listeners. Um, and uh, Ryan, I wanted to throw a few stats at you. So are you ready for this? I am ready for your statistical analysis. I'm not analyzing anything. Um, but what do you want first? I, I want to tell you where our listenership is. Do you want the world or do you want the U.S. first? Let's start with the world. The world. Okay. The world outside the U.S. Um, we've been, we we have a considerable number of listeners this month. I'm going with just this month in Belgium. Ah, yes. My Flemish speaking friends. It is. I don't think Flemish is, that a, that's not yes, language. That is so their language. It is. Uh, really? Yes. It's Flemish. I believe there's all, they also speak Dutch and, and some other stuff, but I believe well, Flemish is the, the official I'm, language. I'm going with French. You're going with French? Well, I mean, I know there are some. Anyway, uh, yeah, followed up by the UK and Australia. Woohoo! That at least they can understand us. Well, they know the words we're saying. Whether we're, <laughs> whether we're coherent enough and understandable is a totally different issue. I, I suppose that's true. If we go back a few months, that's when we start to get our beloved Sweden in the mix. I don't know where they went this month, but uh, it's their uh, prison system must have had a lull. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but if we, okay, so let's zoom into the U.S. Uh, oddly, so we're a Utah podcast, but I've got to give some mad props to Michigan. Uh, we have a ton of listenership in Michigan. 26% of our listenership right now is in Michigan. Wow. Can you believe that? Do you have nothing better to do? <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful you're listening, but I... <laughs> no, I mean, it's... Uh, if you, I've, I've seen the pictures. Detroit is pretty much a ghost town these days. There's nothing much to do. Road trip through there to pass out some more flyers, I guess. There you go. Um, New York, second place, 14%, followed closely by the magical land of unknown. Ah, uh, yes. So if you if you are listening in from unknown, I'd love to know where you are. Uh I don't know. Is that like over international waters or something? That's uh, our signal being pirated by ships out in the middle of the Atlantic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the point of all this, honestly, the point of all this is just that uh, Ryan and I, we started this podcast uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, <laughs> he just got the shivers thinking about it. That was <laughs> hilarious. Um, 
And we, it was more or less just a little exercise for us where, you know, we kind of wanted to get some podcasting equipment together and give it a go, um, see if we could sit in front of some microphones and talk to people. But uh, it's been, uh, it's been a wicked fun ride and more successful than I would have imagined at that point. What about you? And debatably cheaper than therapy, I guess. Well, I mean. The equipment keeps growing, so we might, (laughs) that might be a, a change uh, change statement here in the near yeah, future seriously but. if it grows anymore this is going to become a uh, paid podcast and you guys are all going to have to throw down a buck an episode to listen in uh no that will never happen ever that would be ridiculous um uh, what was i going to say oh yeah no just that that's about it i just wanted to say thanks everybody for listening in because if nobody listened we probably would have given this up a long time ago uh so it is gratifying that people are listening uh, and one thing we would like is suggestions from you all for future projects. We've got a few on the docket, uh, but we want to know what you think as well. Uh, I know that at some point this summer, before the uh, touring symphony comes to town, I want to do a Zelda episode or two. Uh, and Ryan's passion project coming up will be the Belgariad by David Eddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be diving into that one. So if you want to get a head start, that one is... Uh, we're not necessarily close to that, at least a month out. Uh, but, but that one, yeah, it, that one is coming down. So, uh, the Belgariad by David Eddings will it's, be a big one. It starts out, the first book is Pawn of Prophecy. So go and look up Pawn of Prophecy. It's the first of a five book series uh, by David Eddings called the Belgariad. And it's, uh, it's a great read and it's good for young readers as well as old. So we're going to get to jump into that and, and follow, uh, Garyon and his his exploits and this is going to be a fun one because it'll flip the script a little bit um, with the Tolkien stuff. I've read it and devoured it and made you read it for the first time in front of everybody, uh, and I've never touched David Eddings. So, uh, and but it, but it's your kind of one of your favorite fantasy. Yeah, it was one of my right? one of the earliest fantasy series that I remember choosing myself. Yeah. I remember walking through, I believe it was a library at my junior high, and looking at it and going, oh, look at the cover. It was, and it was the cover art that got me on the copy that I had. It had uh, this uh, sorceress with a glowing orb and a young boy two, looking two at Two glowing it. orbs? Let's be honest. The young boy's looking at two glowing orbs on that sorceress. No, because that's his aunt, and that's gross. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I remember looking at it and going, you know, I, this looks like an interesting story. Um and so I, I tackled it, and using that same method is also how I chose to read um, The Talismans of Shannara before I read any of the other series. <laughs> which, which is hilarious. Which, if you know anything about that series, it's like book five of five type set up there. So, yeah, I, I didn't always pick books intelligently when right. I was a child, but this one is one that stuck with me. So I'm excited for it. Um, another thing that we may do, we, we haven't uh, really hashed this one out with the other guys yet, but uh, this is a kind of a local interest story. Again, we're a Utah-based podcast, and there is a Utah-based um, film production company here called Aerostorm Entertainment, and they are churning out some pretty fun little uh, fantasy and sci-fi movies. Um, and one of them is coming out this next weekend. Uh, it is part of the Mythica cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are... 
a super duper duper nerd you might have heard of the first mythica movie but it's not it, these are hardly big studio films that are getting wide releases yeah so. this is these are generally falling into the category of uh, b movies sure and but but it, it still has Kevin Sorbo and stuff yeah that, no they're quality B movies I've yeah. I've watched some of them and and yeah they're not Hollywood type um, but but hey they are quality so anyway we may be looking into that if you want to go check those out Aerostorm Entertainment's website I think it's just AerostormEntertainment.com uh, you can rent or buy those and watch them online uh, and yeah they're wicked fun if you've got kids get the Christmas Dragon. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I mean, it's a little out of season now, but uh, that doesn't mean it's not fun. Anyway, um, so I think that'll do it. We better dive into our actual subject today. Sorry, was that S a little loud for you? There was a harsh whistle in there that all of a sudden <laughs> made, like, the dog heritage in my family blood or somewhere just perk up. <laughs> Ryan, uh, by the way, okay, fine. Last note before we dive in. If Ryan seems a little drunk, uh, it's because he's spent all day on set uh, in a in a movie for the 48-hour film festival. Yeah, I've been shooting a film uh, as part of the Utah has a 48-hour film festival that is put on by the, I believe it's the Salt Lake Film Society. Um, and they, they put 30 teams out there and they're each given a, a challenge, um, a, a prop, a phrase, and a genre, and then they have 48 hours to write, film, and uh, edit together this, uh, you know, their, their movie. And uh, basically, I am running on two hours of sleep over a 24-hour period right now, so... With some hard work in between. With, uh, you know, being on screen and, and doing some of that work right now, and choreographing some fight scenes when you're tired is not the smartest thing but <laughs> hey i have all my fingers and i got to swing a sword for a while today so that was fun oh, there you go uh now the other thing of course that you did foolishly was go see jurassic world last night with me so Rawr. that was we did the ten thirty showing big mistake we're old um so let's do I'll, I'll do a quick recap and then let's talk about the film um all right so jurassic world takes place uh, or takes the place of Jurassic Park, meaning on the same island as the original disaster, John Hammond's protege has succeeded in establishing a working dinosaur theme park which can accommodate northwards of 20,000 people. It has been functioning well enough for the last several years, but as any good capitalist knows, you've got to keep the cash flowing. And that means more people visiting the island. And that means new and better attractions. So they create a hybrid dinosaur that never existed in nature, and that, thanks to some creative gene splicing, has a very impressive array of X-Men powers. The super-intelligent super-dino, of course, escapes containment, threatening the whole island, including Bryce Dallas Howard and her nephews, Chris Pratt, and the huddled masses of Dino Chow. Throw in an arrogant military type, Vincent D'Onofrio, obviously having fun with that one, a mad scientist played once again by B.D. Wong, and some trained raptors, and you've got yourself a wicked good time. Uh, Now, the film functions on at least two, maybe three levels. The first is as a legitimately fun action movie, with uh, fun but stilted dialogue and lots of scares and thrills, The second is as a meta-critique of the Jurassic Park franchise. So when Bryce Dallas Howard's character talks about trying to make things bigger and better in an attempt to win sponsors and visitors, you can almost hear Steven Spielberg and co. winking through the fourth wall. 
now the third possible level is as a critique of Hollywood blockbusters in general, taking on stories over which it has no mastery, and which, because not properly cared for or respected, eventually turn on their masters. Now, maybe that's a stretch, but we'll never know until Mr. Spielberg agrees to come on the podcast. I'm 27 letters in and still waiting for a response. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not holding out hope. You you make your these reviews sound so professional and so well done, and I'm sitting here going, "It's a good movie." <laughs> you had the dinosaurs, and they fought each other at certain points. Um. Well, okay. So let's let's talk. Uh, we'll back up before we went into the theater. Ryan and I are waiting in line for popcorn, uh, because hard as I try, I can't quite get up give up that habit in the movie theater. I mm-hmm. need popcorn. Um. That's how you, but that's how you support your movie theaters Pre- now. Pretty much, yeah. So anyway, we're waiting in line, and, and I turn to Ryan and say, okay, so on our legendarium scale of, of one to four swords, what are you giving this one before you go in? What do you expect to see? And uh, I think you and I had the same consensus, which was maybe like a, maybe like a week a tentative three swords. Three. A tentative three. Yeah. And I think we both... Uh, we're, we were hoping for at least a three, but kind of maybe even expecting a little less than that. Yeah, which may have played into the favor of the movie a little bit. The fact is, is we forced ourselves to have the, the rec- to recognize the fact that Jurassic Park was a great movie, and you just don't replicate great movies easily. And so we figured this one, it's... It had two predecessors that did not do well trying to carry this title along, and so our hope for this one is not all that great. But it's been a while. They're trying some new things with it, that, and it seems that they're trying to, you know, respect the, the original material. So maybe, maybe going into it, you know, I thought this could be this could be a three. This could be one that I'm not ashamed to be part of the Jurassic Park series. And so when we get out of the movie. Um, Ryan and I turn to each other and go, oh, at least, at least three, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half, three. Yeah. It's yeah. a, I'd say a strong three and a half. There were enough problems with it that I won't give it a four. Um, it's not a perfect movie by yeah, any stretch it's, of the imagination. It's not, it's not like Jurassic Park. It's not a great movie, um, but it is a very good movie. Yeah. A, a summer movie. I think, at a cert, uh, I think at a certain point that some of the tongue-in-cheek stuff that they did, it got to be a little tiresome for me. Like what? Well, yeah. Okay, hang on. I'm I'm remembering a joke like two thirds of the way through the movie, maybe three quarters, and they throw in this like bit of really out of place humor mm-hmm. uh, in one of the most intense scenes. And now I'm forgetting what it is. But that 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 sort of thing happened all the time. Listen, I'm I'm all about the Joss Whedon, and I know it's not actually his thing, but he says it, and a lot of people follow it because he says it. Is whenever you make things get really dark. Once you're done, immediately lighten the mood with a joke. Right. And I I love that idea. I love that concept. But there was a lot of things in here where they were, there was was a little bit of that nudge, nudge, wink, wink in it towards, you know, the the series, you know, Hollywood as a whole that I kind of got to. I was like, okay, yeah, I get get the point you're making there. Let's let's really focus on the story here. Um, But though that's, that's a minor critique and something that honestly... 90% 90% of moviegoers aren't going to be bothered by that because they're not watching for stuff like that. Right. You know, if you're just going in for a good story and just to enjoy some time at the movies, you're going to walk out of this one thinking it was just fantastic and amazing. And you're not wrong. It is a great story and it's really well told. 
Um, but there's a number of factors in it that will, if you're a little more of a movie buff, will make you go, okay, all right, that's fine. Let's let's go. Let's move on. So yeah. Um. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, okay. Do you or do do others who go see this movie have to have an intimate understanding of the first movie? Do you need to remember it really well or have seen it at all in order to enjoy this? You do not need to have seen the first to be able to understand what is happening in this story. Um, But I would say to truly enjoy it to the fullest extent that you can, you need to be familiar with the first one. I would actually recommend uh, watching the first one the day you go to see this one, if you can, or the day before or something. Just refresh your memory of the original Jurassic Park. I did that. Uh, We went... uh, yeah, we went yesterday, and in the afternoon, I, I watched Jurassic Park before we went, and it really did, there were so many more things that I caught that if you haven't seen it in a while, will probably slip past you, and it was nice when they did do, uh, do those little moments of homage that it, you know, it was nice to be able to quickly recall, like, oh yeah, that's where that came from, or, right. or to recognize it as homage rather than just, hey, look, this is from the old one thing, so. Right, right. Um... Now, the second and the third movie, like you said, not uh, not your greatest fare, but um, I, I was almost tempted to say, you know, you really ought to see the third one so that you can understand what they're doing with the raptors, the raptors being super smart and everything, but I, I kind of changed my mind on that because all you really need to know about the third movie or the raptors in general is one line from the first movie, which is, clever girl, yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, so anyway, um, all right, let's talk a little bit then, um, for just a, a few minutes, we're coming up on 20 minutes soon. And so if we want to keep this abbreviated, we better abbreviate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, anything that bothered you as far as, uh, cliched storytelling, as far as I'm thinking of like Vincent D'Onofrio's character, the megalomaniacal military man who thinks of everything as a weapon and wants to you know, stage a coup to achieve wealth and power. Look, I I get it. I get that those are cliches and I get that they are a formula that Hollywood uses over and over again, that so many movies are made via formula rather than an overly creative process right now. But for what this movie is, I don't hold that against it. Uh, The same way it would be, I feel like it would be like taking Pacific Rim and holding that up against like Shawshank Redemption <laughs> or some other major movie, it's you can't hold it to the same standard. You know that it used the it used some very easy, low hanging fruit right. when it came to you know especially Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Um, the nice thing is that on a couple of those things, they did kind of poke fun at it a little bit. Not necessarily Vincent D'Onofrio, but you know the romantic. Uh, notion of saving each other and you know man saves woman they kiss type thing you know there's right. this great scene uh, i don't want to spoil it for you but uh just know that one of the best lines in the movie is uh i have a boyfriend <laughs> i was just totally derailed this entire great thing that was going on i was i'm like that is that was great that was great thank you for not just playing into the you know, the cliche at that moment. But yeah, there's a lot there, but I wouldn't, I don't hold it against it because all of this was aiming to be was a good, fun story, you know, summer movie type yeah. thing. Yeah. You're not going to walk out of this with a life changing epiphany about 
control or about you know messing with the the powers of nature or anything like that you're just gonna walk out and go that was cool yeah well so that brings me into that second level i'm talking about or maybe the third one if if it exists and that's kind of messing with the power of storytelling um and you you see a lot of a lot of times a, a hollywood movie a big budget hollywood movie that's supposed to be the next you know great star wars or whatever it just implodes on itself nobody goes to see it it bombs um and the studio's embarrassed and mm-hmm. I, and a lot of people say well yeah it's because you don't understand storytelling you don't understand how to make these things enjoyable for people anyway uh so when we're talking about clichés like Vincent D'Onofrio's character another one is the overenthusiastic CEO guy um played by oh crap what's the indian actor's name i don't remember but i will the life of pi guy i will tell you i will take that one over the super greedy ceo oh totally any day of the week i i loved it it's no i'm not complaining about that uh that cliche but what he does he makes a speech or two that i felt like he wasn't he wasn't talking about dinosaurs in this on this island park he was talking about um about movie studios and the creative process around making these movies when he says uh he's talking to bryce dallas howard's character who has a real stick up her butt about numbers and spreadsheets and mm-hmm. you know revenue streams and all that stuff and he says no why are you why are we creating this park why do we want these new dinosaurs why do we do this it's because the people are supposed to be having a good time. The animals are are living a a good life out here. You know, they're brought back from extinction, and and they're living the good life on this island, and everybody's having a good time. Like this, it's supposed to be fun. That's the whole point of this island. And so I I kind of felt like he through that cliche, um, Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg and his team were going. You know, this is. This is the point of this kind of movie. It doesn't have to be, like you say, you don't have to walk out with a new epiphany about some piece of human nature or political workings or whatever. It's fun, and that's the end game, and that's okay. And and you know what? I We give a lot of crap to Hollywood executives, but they also see on this that, you know what, fun also, fun equals dollar signs as well. Oh, yeah. The problem is, is they want to, this is hearkening back to the original Jurassic Park, they want to control the environment in which the fun is had so much that they sometimes, you know. The more star systems will slip through their fingers. Yes. That's a a very, very good quote for that. (laughs) But, you know, that if you go and look, look how quickly they... They they've got the uh, the toy lines out for Jurassic World and all the new dinosaurs and mm-hmm. the new figurines everything like you make a fun movie and you get that stuff out there that's dollars that's dollar signs and you don't get to do that with a lot of other movies so you know they may have had their little moment but the the executives are still going yeah you can say what you want about having fun we still cashed in our check on oh, this totally. one too yeah um, it's well it's uh, that is the beauty in my opinion of capitalism it's the thank you thank you scenario that Mm -hmm. john stossel talks about a lot which is you walk into the coffee shop and you give somebody a bunch of money and they give you a cup of coffee you say thank you they say thank you and you part ways Mm -hmm. right everybody wins if they do it right you Mm -hmm. know they they make a product that you want and you have something they want which is your money 
and you you know you exchange and you're good to go anyway um so final final thought i want to touch on something here because i do think there's something very interesting about what you just brought up with what he was saying i went and saw another movie uh, just a little while ago that i think i'll do i need to do a review on and talk about it um a lot of the points that he makes uh that, that the ceo makes regarding why they built the park are not verbatim but they are all they're very close to the mindset and workings of Walt Disney. Okay. And I went and saw Tomorrowland. Oh, yeah. A few days ago. And... I have not heard good things. I will tell you, this is all you need to know about Tomorrowland from here. If you are a fan of Walt Disney the person, you will go into that movie and you will come out with an appreciation because that movie is an homage to what that man thought and to his viewpoint on life and his viewpoint on... The work that he did. The story. That uh, interpretation there, it was no good. It was not a good story. Uh, I, I shouldn't be that harsh on it. <laughs> it's not a terrible story, but it's it's a very shallow story spread over way too much time. It's like, a, it's like your friend that you have that takes four minutes to say a 20-second sentence. You know, me. I, I, you know, I have one of those. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, ultimately, go see the movie. Heck yes. Jurassic, Jurassic World, World. Fantastic. Well worth your money. Go, yeah, go, go make a thank you, thank you situation. Give them your money. Enjoy a film for two hours and ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'll part just by saying that uh, Chris Pratt has my blessing to play any part that we would have given to Harrison Ford 20 to 30 years ago. Agreed. Oh, that man is the new alpha male, uh, and I hope they use him accordingly. Actually, you know what it reminds me of? I guess we're a little young for it, but when Die Hard was made, Bruce Willis was coming fresh off of some goofy role in a sitcom, Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, Bruce Willis, really? As an action star? And then Die Hard comes out, and the entire world collectively goes, Die Hard, sweet! Uh, that's, That's kind of how I think we're feeling about Chris Pratt at the moment. Yeah. I told you my first CD I ever bought was uh, Bruce Willis, wasn't it? Didn't I? No. Yeah, I had a CD. It was uh, Bruce Willis, The Return of Bruno. <laughs> and uh, he sing, did a bunch of covers with a band in a jazz club that they recorded. No, no. And I wish that I still had this. I don't know I what happened so to it. I. But, yeah, I had Bruce Willis singing Under the Boardwalk. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, no. He's not he's a he's not bad. I'm digging this up. That's I hilarious. need to find it again, but that was yeah, that was the first CD I ever bought. Bruce Willis, Return of Bruno. My first CD was um Arthur and Friends. <laughs> the very first almost real not live CD or tape. So if you've learned anything from the last thirty <laughs> seconds of our podcast is you can't trust either of us when it comes to music just early music choices. Amen, brother. All right. Uh, we will see you all next week. The plan is to uh, continue our Silmarillion uh, uh, series. We will be reading the uh, the Lay of Lathian, uh, Baron and Luthien's story from the Silmarillion. It's only one chapter, so you have no excuse. Go read it, and we'll catch up to you then. Yeah, but one token chapter. Who knows how long that is. Yeah.